We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz Radio news show. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, you know, same old, same old. Today was, uh, you know, again, just a fun day in the NFL. Just, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, you can't really predict it. And today was one of the best ways to, to, to look at that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, interesting action and uh, a lot of stuff to discuss. Uh, it's going to just be you and me today on this show. Uh, no guest to hold us back. So let's just get right into it. Um, first item, Nick Chubb rushed 20 times for 165 yards and three touchdowns in the Browns 40 to 25 week four win over the Ravens. So, uh, yeah, in addition to Chubb's big day, Baker Mayfield had finally a solid game. Um, and Jarvis Landry finally showed some signs of life. So what are your expectations for this offense going forward? I don't know. It was actually kind of interesting seeing uh, the way the Browns played in Baltimore. Uh, I, you and I were talking a little bit before the show, and we both agreed that this was the one game that we actually sat down and watched uh, end-to-end. Um, L- Lamar Jackson actually looked kind of good towards the end of it, unfortunately, but I don't know how much of that was just being uh, in extreme comeback mode and, and facing pretty much prevent coverage. Um, but, uh, you know, Lamar pretty much salvaged his fantasy day. You and I uh, co-own a dynasty team where we took Mark Andrews way later than O.J. Howard, who is not in our lineup at all. And, uh, you know, we, we received a handful of offers for Mark Andrews, and we're pretty high on him, so we're not trading him away at all, especially for what was offered. Um, so just that, that pretty much wraps up the Ravens as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Willie Sneed did pretty well. But from the Browns' perspective, it was really, really encouraging watching the way that they were playing it felt like a completely different team, right? Like when you're watching them, you had a lot of short, short drop passes, and and you know they were they, uh, they really made it a point to get Jarvis Landry to the ball, who did a really good job of just muscling through and getting a whole bunch of yak. Uh, I mean, I, I know Sean Siegel wrote him up as a buy low, very, very good buy low candidate uh, on Thursday, and uh, that window has uh, a, a extremely slammed shut. Um, uh, and the one who I'm really most impressed by is kind of like Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, even though uh, Dontrell Hilliard, I believe, scored a touchdown in the end in garbage time, uh, Chubb just showed uh, a ton of really impressive big play potential, just like breaking off these two very impressive long runs. We shouldn't expect that from him year over year. I, I mean, week over week, but he did a, a really good job and just sort of flashed that uh, upside that really made him a, a very solid um selection in the uh you know in, at the one two turn um this uh this offseason in, in drafts uh, what were your thoughts when you're watching this game yeah i pretty much agree with that i mean it was nice to finally see this cleveland offense kind of start to work um yeah i mean definitely 
glad to see Landry getting some work and being productive and being actually efficient with his work. Um, you know, it was a little disconcerting that Odell Beckham wasn't more involved at the same time. I guess uh, it kind of shows you how this offense can function when uh, maybe a defense focuses on on Beckham and uh, kind of leaves Landry to do his thing or maybe vice versa in the future. But um, yeah, any concerns that uh, that kind of neither of these guys are going to end up you know, at the end of the season, having the type of seasons we've come to expect from them because they'll be really cannibalizing each other? No, not really. I mean, part of it was just that, like, uh, three of the drives ended on, on Nick Chubb TDs, and that pretty much takes away, uh, you know, a, a lot of potential fantasy scoring, especially on those two incredibly long runs, right, that, ca- that were capped off by TDs. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, when you're not really gonna stay in neutral or negative script like they're just gonna the browns will be able to run the ball on you so they just weren't enough passing opportunities there uh mayfield did only have um uh you know 32 pass attempts i mean if he had something like uh 50 plus like we've seen from other quarterbacks today and then obj didn't get fed then i'd be way more concerned but you know this just seems to be more of a game script uh, uh type of situation where they didn't really need much from odell beckham once they were up uh, by multiple scores and, and they were able to kind of salt away and ice away the game. Um, what about yourself? What do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's right. It's definitely going to be a different sort of situation if Nick Chubb doesn't have those three rushing touchdowns. But, um, yeah, I don't know if we can... It's kind of hard to find someone in this offense that you can uh, you know feel comfortable starting all the time. I mean, obviously, if you have old Dale Beckham, you're not taking him out of your lineup, but um, does Landry become someone that you're comfortable putting into a lineup that you might have other strong uh, wide receivers already in? Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of de- like dependent. I mean, um, I'm just actually going to take a quick look over here because I do know that we like with the bye weeks coming up, you're just going to have to start these guys. Um, it's it's not all that great. Uh, next week, the Browns are going to be at the Niners. I'd have absolutely no issues with starting um, – uh, Landry over there is, uh, you know, especially with the Lions uh, on by, which means you're going to be down the services of a Kenny Galladay or a Marvin Jones. However, it's it's where you get into like the weeks, like the the, the week sixes, the sevens, the eights, where they've got just a ton of teams on by. So on, on week six, you got the Bills, the Bears, the Colts, the Raiders, and so on. Where you're just going to have like you're just going to be dealing with a very depleted player pool, and I think you're just going to have to roll through with it. Which is why I wanted to ask you, you know, what were your thoughts on Ricky Seals Jones? He got a touchdown today. And uh, and Demetrius Harris got one last week. So like any any appeal uh, uh, for you with these guys at all? Not really. Um, yeah, Seals Jones was kind of surprising. Not only did he catch a touchdown, I think he had like eighty something yards, eighty two maybe. So uh, he's uh, I I'm not expecting him to do something like this every week or maybe even again the rest of the season. Um, but it's nice to see that kind of. Uh, you know, they can find guys to make plays for them uh, when they need to. So hopefully we'll see more sort of explosive outings out of this offense. Yeah, and, and hopefully most of them uh, go to Odell Beckham as opposed to yeah, to, to Ricky Seals-Jones. And I just checked, and he did catch all three of his targets, 482 yards in a score. So that tells you pretty much all you, all you need to know. <laughs> Whereas uh, Odell caught two of 20 uh, for off his seven targets. And that's, uh, you know, I mean, that's just a, a bit of an aberration. Um, I mean, it's it's going to happen, uh, you know, what wide receivers, but, uh, you know, what can you do? I just, I, I can't see Ricky Seals-Jones being this um, efficient again, but, you know, uh, it's, it's it's definitely within the realm of possibility. Now, uh, let me ask you, you mentioned before um, Sean's article that kind of said to buy low on Jarvis Landry. Obviously, that's not as possible today, but if you can find an owner uh, – you know, whoever owns Jarvis Landry that thinks after this game they might be selling high, what kind of offer would you be throwing out there? I really don't know because, um, and I, I'll be honest, like I have no, I have no clue what I'd be looking for because I, I feel like the like Landry's value itself is kind of deflated. Like I would have said Kenny Galladay, but that was not going to happen at all for like uh, last week. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if people are still dejected on Diggs because Diggs did fairly well today. I, I felt like before today you could have gotten something like like that going, but I don't. I'm not so sure. Um, Sterling Shepard maybe. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of looking at like if I have some 
if I have some running back who's been sort of overperforming through the first uh, few weeks, maybe, or maybe try and, uh, I don't know, get away from Damian Williams while, uh, while I can before his value goes to zero, something like that, but I'm not sure. I think the issue with Damian Williams is his value is at zero. Um, Mark Mark Ingram? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's all good. And I like that one. A.J. Brown hauled in uh, three of his uh, targets for 94 yards and two scores in Tennessee's week four victory over the Falcons. Um, Blair, it looks like Brown has, uh, you know, he did really well this game and he appears to have adapted to the NFL level uh, quite quickly. Um how does this impact his valuation in dynasty leagues for you going forward? Uh, you know, how does Brown's emergence impact Corey Davis's dynasty value and, and his redraft value? Um, uh, and just uh, and what are your expectations for this passing game? Yeah, it's obviously good for AJ Brown's value. Um, uh, I think he's still probably someone who it wouldn't be that hard to acquire. I mean, he obviously had a big game, but he only did on three targets, so um, it's not the sort of thing where He's getting, um, you know, he's seeing the volume that you would expect to see from like a number one wide receiver. So I think probably if you don't own him in a dynasty league, you might still be able to uh, to pry him away from his owner. Just, you know, somebody who's thinking this this performance is a little fluky and might be trying to sell high. Um, so, I mean, he's somebody that after this kind of game, I would probably be looking to to get more of. Um I have no idea what what it would take, but uh, that's kind of how I'm viewing it. You know, in terms of Corey Davis, I mean, he actually had more targets and more catches. He also caught a touchdown. So um, I think, you know, what you're hoping is that kind of Brown's emergence can lift the entire offense like we saw today and can make, you know, Mariota a lot better, can make Corey Davis even better just by having these two playmakers on the field. So, um yeah, I think probably A.J. Brown could end up being a really good thing for Corey Davis and could probably make him even more valuable in redraft. And, uh, I mean, at least until he, like, totally takes over and pushes <laughs> pushes Davis out of the offense altogether. But uh, I don't think we're going to see that soon. I think it's more likely that um, as he continues to develop, we see the offense develop along with him. And, uh, you know, this is a good sign, I think, maybe of things to come. I'm not quite ready yet to say that like Tennessee is a an offense you want to be targeting for fantasy goodness or something but um, it's definitely encouraging to see this and I'm I'm hopeful that it means we'll see more games like this um yeah I know you're a big Mariota truther so you this was like vindication for you so uh what's your take Oh man, I don't even know. I think I think most of the Mariota truthers are are done after last Thursday night football against the Jags. Uh, I could have sworn I was the last one at the party, but no, there was like a handful of the final Mariota truthers who were all pretty much leaving during halftime of that Thursday night football. Uh, I don't think anyone is coming back. Um, part of what made this outing from, from Mariota kind of interesting uh, was he only had 27 pass attempts. And again, this is uh, by virtue of the fact that the, uh, the Falcons' offense was uh, was just, my God, just non-existent. Um, and, and at that point, why should they keep airing the ball out? They were able to salt the game away quite nicely with Derrick Henry, who, you know, he had a pretty strong game, 27 carries, and he hit 100 yards. Uh, it was earlier where they were, you know, actually targeting um, uh, the, you know, where they were actually looking to, 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 to throw the ball around a little bit. And, and both A.J. Brown and Corey Davis were just too much for the Atlanta cornerbacks to handle. Part of what I wanted, I do want to note a little bit about, like, like Mariota's, like, passing volume is the fact that, the, like, Tennessee's defense is actually very good, uh, and I, they don't get the kind of respect that they deserve. Uh, I, I think it's primarily because um, it's kind of an unwatchable squad <laughs> because of how they play, um, and they do a pretty good job of of, of curbing, um, you know, really any scores like per se against them, like or or really they do a good job in curbing a, a, a quick base game, and then you've got this um, continuation of exotic Smash Mouth. Uh, so you've, it it always trends toward uh, less uh, air in the game, at least, or at least less passing attempts in the game. What was actually interesting is is just seeing how efficient AJ Brown is going. Uh, is currently he is uh, current currently playing at um, in this offense. Like it it should see probably a a reduction in Adam Humphreys' minute volume 
And then they probably might stop really spreading it around to guys like John o. Smith. I mean, Deion Lewis had five targets today. He had four catches for four yards. Like, that's just, like, production that's not going anywhere. That's just a waste for everyone involved, right? So, like, I, you would hope that um, the Tennessee coaches condense the target share down to Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. Um, out of curiosity, where would you rank Brown in, in Dynasty? And uh, where would you be drafting him, uh, you know, in uh, rookie drafts today? That's a good question, yeah. I was actually just thinking about that. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like, if you're just talking about rookie wide receivers maybe that's an easy way to think about it i mean he's obviously had a much better season than i think a lot of people expected at least he's been a lot more efficient than i think a lot of people expected uh just from you know from him landing on the on the titans yeah i don't know maybe i mean before uh the season started i had him as i want to say he was uh he was like my number two overall rookie for a while. And um, I think I'd probably still have him in the top five, maybe certainly in the top five of wide receivers. I mean, I think Marquise Brown has shown enough that he'd, he'd need to be moved up near the top. And uh, there's some other guys that have made a case to, to be, to move up higher Terry McLaurin, maybe. Um, so yeah. Um, I don't think this changes where I would rank him for me that much, but I was probably a lot higher on him coming into the season than a lot of other people were. So yeah, I'd still have him. I'd still have him ranked pretty highly. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I was, I was fairly aggressive uh, on him as well. Just, just in terms of like where he should have gone as a rookie, even post NFL draft. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe again, maybe in terms of like wide receivers, you'd probably consider him what like the wide receiver two after Marquise Brown, probably. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, I'm still high on Nikhil Harry, even though we haven't actually got to see him play. So, if I'm doing a rookie draft today, do I take Brown instead of Harry, AJ Brown? That is, that's kind of a a decision point. Um, but yeah, I think top top two or three makes a lot of sense in terms of. Uh, rookie wide receivers. Yeah, and I'm trying to think back to like the ADP, um, or, or at least going, you know, going to check out our Dynasty ADP tool. But I do remember that um, rookie drafts are kind of all over the place. I, I don't, uh, you know, like I do know that um, in, in a couple of Dynasty leagues that I'm in personally, I, AJ Brown went, he fell a little bit too far uh, for for my liking. Um, uh, so he had a fairly volatile range, I believe. Um, this this offseason, if you were able to get AJ Brown uh, and you're, let's say, a contender, what would you be trading him for? Who would you be trading him for? Ooh, if I'm a contender, I mean, in Dynasty, I don't think I'm looking to trade him. Um, I mean, it depends on kind of what my team needs. Um, yeah, I mean, he's somebody who I would expect, I'd expect his value to to continue to go up and uh yeah he's probably not somebody i'm looking to trade in dynasty unless like really i don't know maybe if you know if i'm the saquon owner and he got hurt and i need a running back really badly to make a make a championship push but um yeah it's hard to put an actual value on him so looking at ffpc rookie adp from the uh, rotaviz uh, dynasty tool DK Metcalf was a consensus 106. AJ Brown was a consensus 110 after Paris Campbell. Nicole Hardman was after that. Um, Marquise Brown was uh, the 202. Um, so, I mean, like, would you rank... Okay, so let's just go through this real quick. Would you rank um, AJ Brown ahead of Paris Campbell? Yes. Darrell Henderson? Yes. Noah Fant? Yes. DK Metcalf? Yep. All right, this is where it gets interesting. All right, uh, TJ Hawkinson? Uh, yes. All right, Miles Sanders. Yes. David Montgomery. Yes. Then you get to Nikhil Harry and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, probably not ahead of Jacobs. Um, right. And I, I probably, you know, I actually would probably put Brown ahead of Harry at this point just because Harry not playing at all in his rookie year is probably a pretty a pretty big red flag for him, to be honest. Yeah, and that's, uh, and that's where I'm kind of, am with you in terms of not really looking to trade him low i guess at this point you kind yeah, of want exactly. to hold him 
Because we do know that like rookie efficiency, like efficiency in your rookie year is one of those things that's actually predictive. This is something that you've written about uh, in the wrong read. Right. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that. No, I mean, you just said it, uh, you know, rookies who are efficient, not only do they tend to continue to be efficient in their in their next uh, year, but they also get a lot more opportunity going forward. So, I mean, a guy like A.J. Brown, you know, just based on what we've seen so far in the first four games, looks like, uh, you know, a really good second year breakout candidate if he doesn't. You know, if he doesn't break out in his first year, which who knows? I mean, he might have earned more opportunity going forward this season. So, um, yeah, he's someone who I think his value is probably about to spike, if not later this season, then probably next season. So I'm not looking to trade him. Before we get into Noshi shit, no, uh, at the end of a hard week, uh, you know, it's, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. I mean, I know that's what I did today, and I'm really hoping that uh, you guys did that as well. Uh, you know, uh, game-winning touchdowns and two-minute drives. I mean, did, did you watch that Tampa Bay <laughs> LA Rams game? That was amazing. Uh, running back racing on the t- sidelines with no one to stop them. You know, there's just nothing quite like the NFL, and. Uh, I know you've been doing this, Blair, but like the way to make these games more exciting is just sort of to bet on them, and and you know, and that's why I also go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy. Uh, they pay when you win. Uh, you know, uh, let's face it, where you're betting is just important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing if you're going to bet on football at all this season. Uh, bet with my bookie. Uh, join now, and uh, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Rotaviz to activate the offer. As promo code Rotaviz, uh, you play, you win, you get paid. Yeah, absolutely. I have been betting on a few of these games. We talked a bit uh, in Slack. It's not like um, I even have a system just kind of experimenting, comparing some prop lines with our GLSP projections and uh, betting the ones that look the most attractive and so far it's actually been really successful and of course you know really easy with my bookie so yeah definitely uh, want to check that out and uh, make some money and uh, enjoy the games even more uh, you can also join the 10 million who have tried harry's claim your special offer by going to harry's.com slash blue wire why should you be trying harry's well harry's founders we're just two regular guys who are tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. So this summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blades for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and make it easy to take on the go. Listeners of the show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Just make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. All right, now let's get into no shit shit no. First item, Patrick Mahomes completed 24 of 42 passes for 315 scoreless yards while adding an additional 54 yards on six carries, sending Kansas City's Week 4 win over the Lions. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be a big no shit for me. Um, if I told you, like, at 1 p.m., the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions game is going to go to 64 points and Mahomes <laughs> would throw zero touchdowns, you would be, uh, <laughs> you would think that I'm an insane person. Yeah. I would think, uh, Darwin Thompson probably had three rushing touchdowns, right? Oh, yeah. You, I know, right? Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Shady punches one in, and uh, you know Darrell Williams punches two in, and uh, the Chiefs put up a defensive score, and that's about all you really needed. Um, I, there's better days ahead uh, for for Pat Mahomes, which is, sounds legitimately ridiculous to say. I mean, the guy, the guy's a freak. It's it's almost just a shame. It's a crying shame that he didn't just score all these points through the air. It could have been a completely normal stat line had it been like 315 scoreless i mean 315 yards and four touchdowns yeah yeah you know you're pretty good when a 315 yard day is a bad day for you carry on johnson totaled 125 yards and 26 carries and he also caught uh you know he he, he brought in two catches for 32 yards on three targets uh in detroit's week four loss to the chiefs uh no shit um i mean this is kind of what we 
what uh, Detroit did last week too, right? Giving Johnson a whole ton of carries and not really many targets. I mean, it's nice to see him actually get the yards and 32 receiving yards is pretty good. I think if you own Johnson, you are pretty happy with this stat line considering kind of what Detroit could be doing, you know, all the rhetoric about him splitting time, having a touch count. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise and you'd hope that he would be able to get more targets, but, um, I don't see that happening. When Goldman rushed 18 times for 63 yards and one touchdown and caught six of seven targets for 55 yards and a touchdown in the Giants week four win over the Redskins. Yeah, this is a bit of a no shit. Uh, I mean, you know, TJ Gawkins wrote him up as a chalk candidate for, for DFS and, uh, you should have been playing him. And he was like pretty much uh, someone that Ryan Collinsworth noted uh, as a good ad back in week two. So, you know, it's, it's all kind of strong because you want the guy who's getting uh, the bulk of the work behind Saquon because he pretty much inherited the workload. Does this mean he's as good as Saquon? Absolutely not. Does it mean he's going to get a lot of the workload? Absolutely yes. And uh, it's, he's someone that I know we uh, emptied our entire FOB budget on um, in the FBG uh, quad-owned team. Uh, and it, it, it seemed to have worked out for us because we're finally starting a running back uh, who is not giving us zero points. Yeah, we discussed this a bit before uh, the show, but he gets what looks like some maybe more difficult matchups coming up. Um, are you comfortable starting him against Minnesota or on the road at, at New England? Uh, not really. Um, I think that we're going to, I don't think I, I could really do either of those if only because game flow could go the other way. Uh, the Giants really kind of did a number on, on Washington in this one, especially forcing Case Keenum, uh, and they ushered in the Dwayne Haskins era. It's just a lot easier to be, um, put up a dominant stat line against, uh, you know, a team that just is incapable of, of putting up any offense. I think that both of those teams are going to be way tougher tests. Um, but uh, again, if you're in a pinch at running back, and I, as I mentioned this before, you're going to have to start him because you need to see all that work, whether, you know, and just live with the final result. Right. Any listeners who caught our, uh, our uh, quad managed draft earlier in the off season, probably know we don't have a choice. <laughs> Kenny Galladay uh, delivered five grabs for 67 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets in Detroit's week four loss to Kansas City. Um, no shit. Uh, yeah, Galladay, you'd hope for more yardage, but obviously the touchdowns are uh, what you expect. Galladay's good. He's going to keep uh, delivering on nine targets. So um, I think... Uh, Maybe you would hope for a better game against Kansas City just uh, because they would need to be putting up more points. But, yeah, I don't know what to say. Pretty uh, <laughs> pretty typical line, I think, from Galladay going forward. Leonard Fournette rushed 29 times for 225 yards in the Jaguars' week win over the Broncos, adding two receptions for 20 additional yards. This one's also going to be a, a bit of a no-shit. Uh, it, it's kind of funny that Reckwell Armstead got the touchdown. <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, interesting. But, like, Fournette's locked in. He's getting all the work. He's pretty much doing all the heavy lifting between the 20s. He's getting peppered, you know, in the, in the receiving game. I, I, it's, you know, say what you want, but he's a locked-in three-down running back. Uh, they're really doing their best of not taking him off the field. Um, you know, do I think he's going to rush for 200-plus yards every time? Probably No, absolutely not. But, like, you know, this is it's clear that this is a guy who – just keep feeding him volume and he will produce. Uh, it's a bit of a bummer. He didn't get the touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, hang in there because the TDs are coming. You cannot put up this kind of, these kind of stats without, uh, without scoring a few times. Stefan Diggs rolled up seven catches for 108 yards on seven targets Sunday in the Vikings is week four loss to Chicago. <laughs> Finally. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess this is no shit. Cause this is like, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, 108 yards. So what you expect when you draft Stefan Diggs, but I mean, um, on only seven targets, that's a little, a little bit less than what you're hoping for, but it's still, I mean, that's gotta be like his season high, right? For targets. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm not so sure, but probably. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, yeah, my question is, you know, with Diggs having this kind of game, seven catches for 108 yards is now the time to sell him before Minnesota goes back to, uh, you know, throwing, 21 passes a game. Uh, 
That's actually a really good question. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, Adam Thielen after the game was quoted as saying, at some point, you're not going to be able to run the ball for 180 yards, even with the best running back in the NFL. That's when you have to be able to throw the ball. Then you have to be able to hit deep passes. Mm-hmm. Um, for, you know, Thielen saw six targets. He caught two of those for six yards for a guy. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Chicago Bears' defense, it's good. Uh, I also don't know who BC Johnson is and why he's getting four targets or why Amir Abdullah is seeing three or why CJ Ham is seeing four. Yeah. But I'm not the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. So yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't have an answer. I, I, I don't know what to do because like this team is so firmly entrenched in, in just, um, ba- like having a balanced offense to, to where they're literally, I mean, they're just shooting themselves in the foot. They try, they're not even trying to win. Uh, they had a shot here because Mitchell Trubisky was unfortunately removed from the game and they didn't try at all. Um, I don't know. If you were selling digs, what would you be looking for in exchange, though? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, after this game, maybe you can get something close to the value that uh, you got when or close to his value that you paid when you drafted him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Do you think you could trade Diggs and get end up with someone like DJ Moore, or is he not even worth that much? I would say that that's actually a pretty interestingly fairish trade. Um, would you be looking to try and move him for? I, I Chris Godwin's out of the question uh, at this point, but um, <laughs> yeah. But if you have a Diggs, but would you be trying to move him for, uh, let's say, Cortland Sutton plus? I, I can't even think. Maybe Ronald Jones, but I guess the, the secret of Ronald Jones might be out too now, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Cortland Sutton plus um, depends, of course, what the plus is. But I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that would be something attractive if you can if you can add, you know, bolster another position as well. Like I know a lot of my teams are pretty weak at that running back two spot, so getting Sutton plus. Uh, you know, a, a viable running back two starter. It's probably something that I would, I would be looking to do. Speaking of Cortland Sutton, he caught six of nine targets for 62 yards and two touchdowns in the Broncos' Week Four loss to the Jaguars. Yeah, that's a bit of a no shit as well for me. Uh, I mean, M- Manny Sanders did lead this team in receiving yards, uh, but you know, Sutton was the guy who scored two, two of the touchdowns, and that's kind of, I mean, that's just. What we thought he would be for this offense would be he's, uh, you know, coming on as that big guy who's like kind of, kind of hopefully emerging as like Flacco's his go-to threat in the red zone. I don't have him on uh, as many best ball teams as I would have liked, but I still have him uh, a fair amount. And um, it'd be exciting for him to, to, to really break out this year or like, at least take a big step forward. Austin Hooper caught 9 of 11 targets for a team high 130 yards in Atlanta's week four loss to the Titans. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have to just hope that this is a shit no, right? Um, we talked a little bit off air. Hooper had 11 targets. Sanu had 12. Devontae Freeman had nine. And then you have Julio Jones with only seven. Calvin Ridley with six. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know what, what Atlanta is doing, you know, with this sort of distribution of targets. But they didn't score any passing touchdowns. Uh Edo Smith had a rushing touchdown, but they only put up 10 points. So, you know, you would hope that they would make a more concerted effort to target their best playmakers. Um, but, I mean, so far it doesn't, you know, we complained about this last week too, about uh, Hooper getting all these targets and Sanu getting some targets, I think. So it's it's depressing to watch the Falcons right now. I mean, like you said, Tennessee's defense is sneaky good sneaky better than people think so um there's something to that but yeah for sure you don't want to you don't want to see this kind of stat line in a game where atlanta puts up only 10 points yeah and and Devin mcintyre mentioned it last week on the show or i can't remember talking off air but he mentioned that this is kind of what Dirk cutter does like he just doesn't feed uh these guys he's always going to be apologetic and and self-effacing and saying yeah i gotta get julio jones the ball more and instead, they're finally throwing to the running backs again in, what, uh, first time in three years that the running backs are seeing targets? Yeah, I mean, trading out, um, you know, rushing attempts for running back targets is one thing, but trading out Julio Jones targets for running back targets is is backwards. <laughs> Robert Woods caught 13 of 15 targets for 164 yards in the Rams' week four loss to the Bucks. Uh, it's, I, 
I'm going to say no shit, but really there was proper panic around Robert Woods, though, for a little while, wasn't there? Um, so hopefully he's able to keep it up, uh, because this could go from no shit to shit no very, very quick. Um, it was really interesting seeing the target distribution because, you know, Goff attempted almost 70 passes and uh, Brandon Cooks only saw nine. Uh, Cooper Cup was the only other guy. Uh, Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley were the two guys to see uh, double digit targets. And, uh, you know, Gerald Everett saw eight and Higby saw seven. But, uh, you know, out of curiosity, like how comfortable do you feel plugging these guys in week in, week out? Like, how can you do it? Or you just put them in and, and let them ride? Uh, I'm okay with putting a lot of these guys in my lineup most weeks. I mean, I think even though um, Los Angeles lost this game by <laughs> by 15 points, I think uh, it's still encouraging to see them put on this kind of uh, this kind of show. I mean, you know, with 68 pass attempts, you would hope that Goff would be able to get, uh, you know, 500, 500 yards. But, I mean, still... Um, it's kind of good to see them in this mode where they're actually trying to score points instead of whatever they've been doing lately, which is like, uh, you know, running girly between the 20 and then, and then, uh, I don't even know. It's not, uh, you know, it, it's, well, it's depressing that it takes this kind of output from their opponent to get it done, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with these wide receivers. I think Cup, is going to be reliable. I think Woods is going to be fine. I think Cooks is a good option to have in your starting lineup. I don't know how I feel about starting Jared Goff most weeks. Um, Gurley had a good game, but I don't know how I feel about really starting him most weeks, honestly. I mean, obviously, if he can get two touchdowns, then he'll be fine. But if he doesn't get those touchdowns, then this is a pretty, a pretty bad stat line from him. So, yeah, I don't know. What are you doing with these? With the Rams, I'm with you. You just gotta just set them and forget them, man. Like like with uh, we in our uh, quad vantage team, we swapped out Calvin Ridley for, for Brandon Cooks. We're just gonna have to live with it. Like you live with the variance, and you die by the variance. I think with these three guys, uh, Cobb seems to be the most reliable guy. Uh, this the girly stuff is actually pretty interesting because, like you said, if it weren't for those two touchdowns, man, this is like really not not, not a good. A good sign. It is interesting to see Gurley get a lot of that work there uh, in the receiving game, uh, which really has me wired for Daryl Darrell Henderson. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's nice to see these 11 targets. And I mean, if this is the kind of role that Gurley is going to have the whole season where he gets a lot of targets and a lot of goal line carries, then he'll be good. But uh, you know, obviously you're not going to see Jared Goff throwing 68 passes every week. So I don't know that we can really count on this. Chris Carson rushed 22 times for 104 yards and he uh, tacked on four catches for 41 yards in Seattle's week four win over the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to say no shit, but it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Chris Carson. All right, fine. 22 times for 104 yards. <laughs> Four catches. I mean, sure. You know, in this in a game against Arizona, I guess that works. But I don't know. You know that this is not a different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No shit. This is exactly the sort of opportunity you should expect from Chris Carson. It's just you know half the time it's going to be twenty two rushes for twenty two yards. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was nice to see Procise get in the game a little. You just wish that they would have used him more in the passing game, but it's Seattle. Seahawks going to Seahawk. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Chris Carson's actually a little bit better than you do, but like I'm also, and, and I'm and I'm still optimistic on Procise, uh, but, you know, he got three three carries and he only got four yards. He did get a, he get a TD, though, so that's kind of cool. Um, it, it was, it is interesting to see, cause like, uh, second straight week where Rashad Benny was out, you know, so this has been, uh, and he was kind of gathering some momentum, especially in that Pittsburgh game two weeks ago where, where they're, you know, basically were looking to move on from Carson and they benched Carson last week just cause of those fumbling issues. It's interesting because Carson didn't fumble in this game. Do you think, um, that we that he still is a bit of a, you know, on thin ice here going forward? Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it after this game, you know, where they gave him 22 carries and yeah, I don't know. I mean, right. Carson is someone who I, I definitely liked when he was really cheap 
And now that he's more expensive, I mean, he mostly doesn't get the sort of workload that you're looking for in the passing game. Although I guess in a few games this year he has, but like, uh, this is the first game of the season where he's hit more than four yards per carry. You know, you just are not expecting this sort of explosive outcome from him, which is kind of, I think, sort of characteristic of Seattle's offense, except for maybe when Russell Wilson is trying to make plays and they're playing catch up. But yeah, I, I, I don't think Chris Carson is on thin ice and I don't necessarily think that that's a good thing for the offense. All right, before we get into the final segment, I want to remind you to become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can ask questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patronships start at just $6 a month. You can become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners. Just sign up at patreon.com slash Rotoviz Radio. And I want to also remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. Plus, for a limited time only, we are offering a two-year RV Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel for the 2019 season. So that's right, you get 10% off a two-year subscription, and you enjoy unlimited access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel all throughout the rest of the season. All you have to do is head to rotoviz.com slash podcast, sign up via the two-year RV Radio subscription, and we'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, news item number three. Sean Watson completed 21 of 33 passes for 160 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions in the Texans' 16-10 Week 4 loss to the Panthers. Um, with Watson struggling to find any rhythm and the Texans unable to get anything going through the air, the offense relied mostly on the running backs Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, although neither of them had great fantasy days either. Um, so... Yeah, with, you know, with Hopkins and Fuller being basically fantasy non-entities the last two weeks, are you worried about this Texans offense going forward? And do you think that they can get back on track? Yeah, I'm hopeful they can get back on track against uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, who, as we noted, gave up a three-touchdown passing day to Mariota. Um, Watson did pretty okay last week against the Chargers. He, uh, no, let me just double check here. Yeah, I believe it was last week against the Chargers. Yeah, he threw four, 351 yards and three touchdowns. What's really been kind of frustrating is <laughs> the fact that both Nuke, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and Fuller have been out in the cold. Uh, they saw seven targets apiece against the Chargers, and they were kind of quiet. And they saw, you know, a bunch of targets today, and they were kind of quiet. Um, yeah, Hopkins saw eight, and he caught five of those for 41 yards, and Fuller saw six, and he caught three of those for 23 yards against the secondary that's just been puking up points against other wide receivers. Uh, so it's been kind of frustrating because this offense has, it's really exciting on paper. It's really gross to actually watch. I, I mean, I mean, Bill O'Brien is, uh, he's not a very talented <laughs> play caller at this point. He's not a very talented GM at this point. Um, I mean, he, he traded away so many assets to get this, to create his dream backfield of, of, of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson and with Larry Dunso at left tackle. And, uh, Kenny Stills, unfortunately, was hurt today. It's just, just, uh, it's been a, a disaster of a season and for a team that should have really kind of moonwalked, uh, to the playoffs, especially given that their biggest, their biggest, uh, rival in Andrew Luck was gone. Are, are really making very, very heavy weather of the AFC South. It's like a four-way tie right now. And just to remind listeners, this includes uh, a team that has Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, a team that has Gardner Minshew at quarterback, and a team that has Marcus <laughs> Mariota at quarterback. Uh, yeah, when you put it like that, it sounds really bad. I mean... Oh, the, this... and, the, and the Titans are the only team with a positive uh, point differential at plus 29. Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this situation reminds me a lot of what's going in with Atlanta, kind of. Um, I mean, Houston has shown at other points in the season that they can be really, uh, really good and actually put up points. But I mean, when you've got, 
you know, you got a game that you end scoring 10 points and Carlos Hyde has five targets and Will Fuller has only six and, uh, you know, Hopkins has only eight. You know, that's something that I think you want to uh, maybe take a look at. You know, I mean, Hyde, <laughs> Hyde caught four or five targets for six yards. Um, I think we can do better, right? Oh, God, yeah. And, and I'm sure the big days will come. Uh, it just feels like this team tries to play ball control and defense and everything, every other like cliche coach speak way that you can imagine. And they try to just win in these high variance ways as opposed to just sort of blowing out the opposing team and then just forcing them, uh, to, to, uh, you know, play their game, to play their game kind of. It, it, it's almost like, uh, the, offensive philosophy of seattle has permeated through the league versus what we saw last year with the with the with the past happy tendencies that's true it's kind of a game plan that you would expect from a team that didn't think it was very talented like they didn't think they had the players to actually win a lot of games so they were relying on just uh limiting opponent plays and trying to catch some uh lucky breaks and win that way but I mean, I don't think that's who the Texans are with Deshaun Watson and Hopkins and Fuller. They should be a team that is, you know, blowing other teams out, I think, right? Yeah, I would assume it's a lot easier to score the points and then just run, right, as opposed to run and then pass. Yeah, that seems seems like it would, would be true. Uh, just ask the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. You know, it seems like we're doing this almost every week uh, where an, uh, it's an unfortunate injury to a starting quarterback. And this time it was uh, Mitchell Trubisky who suffered a left shoulder injury against the Vikings in the first quarter. And he did not return um, at the time of this recording. We do not know how severe Trubisky's injury is um, in Trubisky's absence. Chase Daniel completed 22 of 30 passes for 195 yards and a touchdown. Um, it, and it seemed like he just sort of kept the offense moving. Blair, how much interest do you have in Daniel in 2QB and Superflex League? How much fob would you be looking to spend to get him? And what do you think goes on with his offense uh, down down the uh, if Trubisky is forced to miss uh, a bunch of time? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, earlier in the season, I spent 100% of my fab on Gardner Minshew, so I'm definitely not opposed to going all in when uh, you might have a new starting quarterback who's probably going to be in for a lot of games and who looks decent, looks halfway decent in his limited action. I mean, Chase Daniel, I think we've seen him before and he's not been particularly inspiring. He was okay today, 195 yards and a touchdown. Um, but yeah, I think until maybe we know how long Trubisky is going to be sidelined with this injury, which yeah, obviously not a doctor, but I think they ruled him out of the game pretty quickly, which isn't necessarily a good sign. But I also think it was his left shoulder that he hurt, if I'm not mistaken. So not his throwing shoulder. So kind of good and bad, I guess. Um, but yeah, until we know more about how long he's going to miss time, I would be, I would be pretty conserved with my fab on Chase Daniel. Um, yeah, I mean, even though he didn't look terrible in this game, uh, I think this, uh, you know, <laughs> there are already question marks about this offense, even with Trubisky under center. So it's not necessarily a, an offense that I'm looking to invest a lot in. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I probably wouldn't have said that about Jacksonville a few weeks ago. And and I did spend a lot to get Minshew anyway. So it kind of depends on how desperate you are. Uh Allen Robinson seemed to be kind of fine even even after the quarterback switch. He saw seven targets, got seven of them for 77 yards. So, you know, the 7777 line uh, that we all know and love. Um, Javon Wims was a guy who stepped up. He saw five targets and he got four of those for 56 yards. And Anthony Miller appears to be uh, pretty much fading quickly from the public memory, despite the fact that um, the Bears traded up to get him last year in the second round he had uh, three targets caught two of those for 11 yards uh, you know are you any interest in Javon Wims or any of these other auxiliary pass catchers or just a now wave uh yeah actually Wims is a little bit interesting if it looks like Daniel is going to be in for a while and is going to be looking his way I mean um yeah we've seen kind of stranger things happen when new quarterbacks take over teams and I mean yeah, Wims is not terrible. I mean, we don't really know that much about him, but um, that kind of 
that kind of, you know, these kind of wild card guys, I think I'm more likely to have some interest in just because their upside, like in my mind, is theoretically unlimited. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, probably not in this case, but um, yeah, he's the sort of player who he costs almost nothing to take a shot on. And if he hits big, then, uh, you know, that's great. So, so I think Wims is a little bit interesting after what he did today. Um, it's nice to see Cohen get a touchdown and really saved his day, but he's, he's pretty disappointing with only seven yards on five targets. Um, hopefully the targets, you know, will keep up and, uh, he'll be able to make more of them. Um, Otherwise, a lot of my teams are in trouble. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have interest in whims, or you uh, staying away? Uh, probably in a handful of like super deep dynasty leagues, like this uh, sixteen-team league that you and I are in, um, where I'm, I'm losing by a hundred points uh, to another <laughs> guy, despite having a very, very good score. Um, so yeah, I mean, I probably got some interest in whims depending on how deep your, um, your leagues really, really go. Like I, it definitely would have to be like a 16 team with like deep benches. I don't know how much value he has for redraft to be honest. Um, but yeah, like he's a, he's one of those kind of guys that I do want to get in these deeper leagues because you cannot off like, uh, afford to take, uh, zeros, um, once the buys, uh, come around. Definitely, yeah. He's not somebody that you'd be picking up in your typical like uh, twelve-team, you know, sixteen-man roster league. Um, but you know, if you have the have a deep enough league and you're sufficiently desperate, I think he could you could do worse. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. listening to the fantasy football report please rate and review the road of his radio podcast channel on itunes or your favorite podcast app contact us by email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on twitter at rotovizradio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz at a 30 percent discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.